Well, if you have your Bible this morning, I have a couple of texts here. Proverbs chapter 28. And then you can also turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Father, let every ear be anointed to hear today as we open your word. Let every heart be receptive. Lord, we purpose in our hearts not to just be a forgetful hearer, but to be doers of the word, because we know that when we are, that's when we're blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 28, verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And then over in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 16. Let's look at verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Thank God we have a high priest today. Now, he's not making incense. He's not having to, to, to make all these um, different sacrifices like we see in the Old Testament. The Bible says he did these things once and for all, and he sat down at the right hand. But it says, Jesus, the Son of God, He's passing the heavens. Let us hold fast to our profession, or it's the word confession. Confession is saying the same thing. One of the things that's going to get you down the, the path of life is you saying the same thing that God says about you. That's why we make that confession, that I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. Because you need to agree with God's word over your life. And so he says, because of that, let us hold fast our, our confession. You know, if you look over in um, chapter 3, he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. You know, I just love every single word there. <laughs> You're a partaker of the heavenly calling. I'm a partaker of, of, of Christ today. I'm not just... I'm not just associating, you know, with a church. I'm associating with Jesus Christ today. And I'm a partaker. I'm in the family. Well, you know, if you're in the family, you shouldn't just be in the name only. Well, you know, they're part of the royal family, but they don't really, you know, they, they left them out. No, if you're part of the royal family, then you're going to get everything. I'm part of the royal family today. England just wishes they had what we have. Amen. They have the pomp and ceremony, but, but they don't have what we have in Christ. <laughs> so he says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And see, that's the thing, you know, with religion, what it's been pointed and portrayed, you know, even through the dark ages. The only people that could understand the scriptures were the priest. You know, that's what they said. And so... The people didn't have the Bible. They didn't have what the Word of God said. And so it's always been a, like the, the, the priest was here and the people were down here. And that's the way it was portrayed. 
But we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows everything that we're going through. It says, but he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. What did Proverbs say? He said, the righteous are what? They're bold as a lion. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, people grew up just thinking that God was some, some old guy with a big beard and, and with a big fly swatter. Whoever had, you know, maybe you grew up with that kind of uh, understanding that God was like that and, and that God was just waiting for you, you know, you, just as soon as you make a mistake, he's just going to hit you. But that's not who the Father God is. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of compassion. He's a God of love who wants to show himself strong in our behalf. So he says, let us therefore come boldly. Why? Because we know that, that Jesus was tempted just like we are. Now, a lot of people can't see that today. But Jesus, could you imagine, just think in your mind. You just, just look straight, straight ahead. <laughs> but you know, who, who knows that you've been tempted to do a lot of crazy stuff. We all have. Well, no, Pastor, I haven't. Every person's been tempted to do crazy stuff because I know who the devil is and that he plants things in people's mind. Even as you're sitting in church, you can have the craziest thoughts come across your mind. Where in the world did that come from? <laughs> That's why the Bible says casting down imaginations and every high thing. And, and you know what the enemy does, though, is he works on, with condemnation. Now, we said this, and we're going to hit this a little bit um, again today. We hit this on Wednesday. But condemnation is the confidence killer. The, the, one of the worst things that can ever happen to a believer is for them to not just have condemnation, but remain in it. Because condemnation is like, it's like a cancer. It's just something that festers, and people live in condemnation. But the Bible says in Romans 8 that there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So he says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Everyone say, I need to obtain mercy and find grace. He says, to help in our time of need. So we're supposed to approach God boldly. How do we do that? By the blood of Jesus. But one thing that's for sure, religion has made man to be a beggar. To beg God, you know, God, just please, please do this. Oh, God, please, if you would, you know, I, I promise I'll do better, you know. Well, it's good to do better, but it's not about, you know, you paying penance. It's, you know, penance is not in the Bible. I said penance is not in the Bible. You know, I'm going to pay penance. I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to pay for my sins. You cannot pay for your sins. That's why it's a humbling thing when you realize, I can't do anything but just receive it. We want to pay for it, don't we? You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've, I've done this before in times past where I wanted to pay for it. So, you know, a lot of people, if they really miss it bad in an area, 
Who's ever missed it in life? Okay. If you ever miss it really bad in the area, sometimes your pride wants you to try to pay for it, to show that, you know, I really am serious about this, Lord. But you, you can't pay for it. You, you can't just hold out, I'm just going to punish myself for a week or two. You just have to say, God, I, I blew it. I missed it. And, and I ask you to forgive me and, and wash me and cleanse me. And you have to, by the blood of Jesus Christ, now you have to turn from that, but then you just receive your forgiveness. And then you lift up your head. Then you can pray. You, you can walk as though you never made a mistake. And that's because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. But I'm not a beggar. Believers are not beggars, and beggars are not believers. I'm a son, the Bible says. On Father's Day, I'm a son. <laughs> Every day of the year, I'm a son, and I have sonship privileges. How many remember what Jesus said? He said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure. I don't have to twist God's arm. I mean, my granddad, he used to have a thing where he used to, he'd, he'd grab my arm and you know, he'd go like, like that, you know, twist one way and the other way. And that thing would just burn, you know. I was like, why do you, Papa, why do you do that, you know? <laughs> you don't have to do that to God. God, I, I want you to do this thing for me. And you just like twist his arm and then he just gives up and just cries uncle. No, I don't have to persuade God to give me what he already has given me. What he wants to give me and what he already has given me. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Jesus also said this, all that I have is thine. How many remember the story of the, the prodigal son? The prodigal son, the Bible says that the, the, the father gave the inheritance to both of those kids, both of those boys. And the, what happens is when that, the, the one that went wayward, he came back and, and the father saw him. He, he went and restored him back. But the elder brother, he got mad. He said, you never did this for me. You never did this. You never had this barbecue for me. He said, son, he says, all that I have is thine. So that's, that's a picture of the church right there. All that I have is yours. When, we, when I took the boys to play golf, they knew that they were playing golf with El Shaddad. And that all that I have is theirs. Everything that's in the golf bag, everything that's in, you know, they knew I was paying for the golf. They knew that I was going to take care of it. Well, how much more our Heavenly Father? Am I concerned about that, you know, that's why the Bible says, in, um, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things shall be added. That I'm not even supposed to worry about all these things. He said, because the, the heathen do that. So I don't have to today, I don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. I don't have to worry where my clothes are going to come from because my heavenly father takes care of me. Hallelujah. So this morning, I want to share about boldness to receive. Boldness to receive. We come boldly to the throne of grace to receive and to find help in a time of need. But the devil, as we said, is always going to try to keep you in a place of condemnation, conscious of sin. Look, look at that scripture over in Romans 8 once again. 
I'm telling you, this is good news. If you get a hold of this. As a believer, I'm not only free from sin, I'm also free from condemnation. Amen. You, you can't remind me of anything and, and make me feel bad for anything in my past. Amen. Because I'm either forgiven or I'm not. If I've repented, then, then the, the Bible said it's under the blood of Jesus. The blood has washed it away. Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation. Everyone say, no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So we know that there's a law working in the earth right now. It's called the law of sin and death. Just like we know that gravity is in place. Now, if you don't believe me, just step off the building. You'll, you'll realize that that law is in place. Unless something transcends that and supersedes that, called the law of lift, which you get in an airplane and you get up and... It, it doesn't matter. Gravity may be there, but the law of lift is going to allow you to go up in the air. The same thing. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus transcends what's the law of the spirit of um, sin and death. There is a law of sin and death, but there's something when you're born again, something that's greater than that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That means that I'm not subject to these things. You know, I shared this the other night, but um, so you just have to listen to it to the um, podcast. No, I'll share this. <laughs> what happened was um, John G. Lake in South Africa. He was mightily used of the Lord, and he had this revelation of this verse that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And so he was dealing with uh, people that were dropping dead. As we say, just like flies. From the bubonic plague. And this bubonic plague was, was um, so prevalent. And all these people were dying. He said that he, the people were checking up. And they said, what are you doing to, to protect yourself? He said, nothing. You know, I, I believe that the law of spirit of life in Christ has made me free. He said, but I'll, I'll do this experiment. He said, if you'll take the, these people right when they die there's foam that's coming out of their mouth. And he said, if you take that and put it under the microscope, you'll notice that it's living organisms. And so they did. He said, now put in that, what's on that slide and put it on my hand. And they put on, and they said, are you sure about that? He said, yes. And he put it, they put it on his hand, then they put it and he said, now examine it. And every one of those organisms had died. And they said, in amazement, sir, what is that? He said, he says, I believe that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, you don't want to do that if you don't have that revelation. Amen. But it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free. And so part of that law, there is a law called condemnation as a result of sin. But because we're in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, Condemnation means to be guilty. 
And see, that's, that's what the enemy, he works on. He works on people to always be in a place of guilt. Why? Because your faith will not work at all if you have guilt and, and, and shame in your, in your life. It, like I said, it's the confidence killer. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> but I love what, what this um, actually says when it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. It's actually, you can break it down like this. No, not one, none. So today, as we're sitting here, how much condemnation should you have in your life? You know, maybe just a little bit. You know, because I, I really am sorry for what I did. No, you're either forgiven or you're not. You're either cleansed or you're not. Do you know that it's actually a slap in the face to Jesus and his blood when we just hold on to condemnation? Yes, we're sorry. Yes, we, we repented. And, and, and let me say this. That's why we don't play with sin and that's why we don't, you know, just haphazardly repent. You know, the word repentance is like a tearing away. It's a pulling away. It's a ripping away. And that's what it should be. It should be, you know, where we loathe the thing. When you understand what sin did to the master, then, then it puts a, a, a holy reverential fear in your life. And when you understand what the effects of sin are, you, you know, when the devil comes saying, hey, look what I got. And you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. No, why? Because I know what the price that Jesus paid, and I know what's going to result. You know, I've made this illustration before. When, when the Lord checks you on the inside and says, don't do that, well, what if you go ahead and do it? Then, then what happened? Him that knows to do good and, and does it not is sin. If you know the Lord saying, don't do that, well, you know, the Lord will check you many times. Uh, don't, don't, don't say that. How many, how many, like I said, look for straight ahead, but husbands and wives, you know, you know when the Lord checks you and says, don't say that. Don't do it. Why? And you just have to bite your lip. Why? Because you know if you say that, it's going to set that person off. It could be somebody on the job. It could be a coworker. You know the buttons to push. The devil knows the buttons to push. And what happens is you go that direction and then five minutes later, well, I remember what you did 20 years ago. And you said this and you meant it. You know, and people, you know, they, they just stir up all those kinds of things. Whereas if we'd have been led by the Spirit, we would have never done that. We, we would never got in that place. We would have never brought those things up. <clears throat> but condemnation, the Bible, the Bible says, or let me say it like this. We're not only free from sin, we're also free from the effects, which is condemnation. But boldness, we're supposed to come boldly to the throne of grace. Even when you miss it in life. Even when you miss it. Because what's the natural tendency? Is to run away. We always tell people, don't run from God, run to Him. Why? Because what's the first thing that, that happens? Adam, where are you? How many know that God knows right, right where they were, but he was looking for that confession? Where are you in your relationship with me? So always run to God when you miss it. He already knows. You know, when you confess your sin, it's not when God finds out about it. 
Lord, <laughs> oh God, I did this. Really? I can't believe that you did that. And you know, who's ever missed it in the same area? I mean, there's been areas, maybe you missed it 400 times. If you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I did it again. As far as he's concerned, it's like this. Son, as far as I'm concerned, I'm dealing, we're dealing with this for the first time. But see, we, a lot of times we don't believe that. We think God's just, you know, tallying up this big, long record that, that you, know, you know, I'm tired of you dealing with this and doing it again. But either the Bible is true or it's not. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So maybe you did that same thing for the 401st time. The Lord has no knowledge except that one time. Because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? That means that I can come boldly to the throne of grace today. I can come boldly to receive my healing. I can come boldly to receive uh, my, my needs met. I can come boldly to receive direction in my life. And the devil can't do anything about it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm not going to go there, but 1 John 5, 18 says this. He that keepeth himself... The wicked one touches him not. Are there a lot of people in life, even believers, that the enemy is touching? Of course there is. You know, what do we think about the word oppress? Take the, the first letter off and it's just press. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to touch people. He wants to, but you can get to the place to where if you keep yourself, the enemy doesn't touch you. So we have a responsibility to keep ourselves, keep ourselves in the love of God, keep ourselves in the word of God, keep ourselves in the presence of God. And as we do that, the enemy doesn't touch us. Now, I'm not saying you get them saying can't touch this, but, you know, in, in a prideful way, but, but the enemy can't. The enemy can't touch you. Look over in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, verse 11. <clears throat> but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. See, Jesus is different than any other high priest that we've ever seen. It's kind of like you ever, you ever heard the, um, you, know, you know, you have the, the animals talking at the barnyard and, you know, you, you have the chicken and the pig. And, um, you know, they're going to give an offering. Well, how many know the chicken can give an offering, but the pig, his, his offering is forever. He, you know, the chicken can lay an egg, but the pig, if he gives bacon, I mean, he's done for. You know, Jesus gave everything. Neither... By the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So we know that if, if our redemption is eternal, Satan's defeat is eternal as well. Amen. He's a defeated foe. He's been whipped. He's been defeated by Jesus. 
And his victory is my victory. Look at verse 13. He says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying the flesh. So what did we have in the Old Testament? We had these sacrifices. We had the blood of bulls and goats. We had the ashes of a heifer. And what did it do? It pacified, it, it satisfied the claims of justice for one year. So he said, if those things can, can, can purify, how much more? <laughs> how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So what does the blood of Jesus do? It purges our conscience from dead works. The dead things that we used to do. The the dead things that we were. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all that. And now we're washed. My conscience is clean from dead works. So that means that there should be nothing that that holds me back. You know, like the old song... Nothing between my soul and my Savior. Nothing to hinder the least of His favor. Why are people, why are these chairs not filled today? Now I know, I know we're just like any other church. If everyone came in the same day, you'd fill the church up. But, you know, people go in three-week rotations a lot of times. And I, I know we have a lot, of, a lot of your regulars, but a lot of people go in, in different churches. And they'll go once every three weeks, once every four weeks, or whatever. But why is not every chair filled? For this very reason. People think God's mad at them. Because of condemnation. Why? Because people, people know, well, you know, I did something. You know, I did this last night, or I did this. And it's condemnation that the enemy is always working on people. Amen. But see, that's, that's what church is for. It's for people who've done things. It's for people who messed up last night. It's for people that messed up today. Maybe you had a, uh, an argument on the way to church. That's okay. <laughs> Brother John Osteen, he said, um, he's pastoring Lakewood Church when he started the church. He'd be up there on the platform and he's looking out there and he said he and his wife, Dodie, had an argument on the way to church. And so he said, he was looking outside, looking out the congregation, and he saw someone. He said, he says, honey, who is that? She says, repent. <laughs> who, who, who's, that, who's that man out there? Because he wanted to, you know, talk to him after the service. Repent is what she said. <laughs> She's like, I'm not telling you anything till you repent for the way you talk to me on the way to church. So she, he says, I'm sorry. And he repented, and then, of course, she told him. <laughs> Look over in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 in verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering... He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after that he said before. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, 
saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. See, that's the covenant that we have with Jesus. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, look at verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our faith. See, what gives me the opportunity and the right to boldly confess that what God has said is actually belongs to me? It's because I know that I've been washed with pure water. It's because I know that my conscience is clean, that I have no evil conscience, that the devil has nothing he can hold against me. You know, in the court, if I was to stand in court right now and the enemy tried to, to bring this and this, I know that, that I have a righteous judge, my father. And I know that I have the lawyer on my side, my older brother, Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, if you just do what the, the, he tells you to do, you're going to win. But I don't care what you do. If you get up on the stand and say, you know, I did it. I'm guilty of sin. I don't care what, what kind of um, lawyer you have, you're done. If you just get up and admit. But you just do what, what your elder brother says. He says, okay, I'm going to defend you. And, and you know, on Exhibit A, he's got his, his blood. And he, he, he's talking to the judge, his father. My father, uh, I took their place. And uh, if, you, if you notice on the mercy seat, my blood. And if you just agree with that. And he says, just agree with what my word says. And you just say this. I just plead innocent by the blood. Amen. You, you just say what the word says. And you just, what was that doing? That's resisting the enemy. That's putting the devil in his place. So draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession and confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You should be provoking your neighbor, not in a bad way, <laughs> don't provoke them into, into, because you're, you're getting them upset. But you provoke them unto good works. You, what does that mean? You, you're, you're egging them on to do good works, to follow the Lord. Then he goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's why people stay out of church. They feel bad. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So because of this righteousness and this consciousness that I can have, you know, the word righteous just means right, right with God. You know, for the average Christian, if you just ask them, you say, are you righteous? They'll be, you know what they'll say? I'm, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. Well, you know, it's like this. 
This may not even be a good, in the day we live right now, it may not even, you wouldn't even think it'd be an issue to use this illustration, but I'll use it anyway. (laughs) Like Brother Hagin said, he said, um, he had a guy one time in a meeting and, and he said he was trying to be righteous. And so he asked him, he said, he said, I'm not trying to be vulgar. He said, but let me ask you this. Were you born a man or a woman? See, now, nowadays, that, that's something in question. Like it like it's, was a, you know, like there's a real question of whether it was. But he said, the man said, he said, a man. He said, how did you get that way? He said, I was born that way. He said, that's the same way you became righteous. He said, you were born that way. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteousness just means being right. That means that I'm right with God. So because of that righteousness, consciousness, I can lift up my head today. I can pray. I can minister. I can, I can deal with the enemy with boldness. And see, boldness affects three areas. It affects my relationship with God. That I can be bold with him. Not arrogant, but bold. Father, I'm just going to come and receive my healing today. But you know, if you always have that condemnation, you're not going to go. What if you approach God every time and you're, you're reminded of sin? See, that's, that's the enemy. You're, you get down to pray over this and the enemy says, you did this. But when you know that there's nothing hindering you, there's nothing. Okay, yeah, I may have done that, but I'm clean in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. That's why people don't pray. That's why they just pray mealy mouth prayers. You know, just, Father, Father. No, you come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, if your kids came to you and they said, you know, Dad, I'm not even worthy to be called your, your son. You know, if I could just have, just if I could just lick the bag of Cheetos. If I could just, just have a bag of goldfish, please. You know, I wouldn't even ask you for anything else. I would, what would you, you'd feel insulted, wouldn't you? Boy, get up from there. What are you doing, you know? It's like, all that I have is yours. You don't have to come begging like that. They know how to ask largely. Amen. And as they get older, the, the, the prices get higher too, don't they? <laughs> it's a larger price tag. Amen. But as I approach God, I can come boldly to receive. Thank you, Lord. And I was just thinking of a, I want you to just think of here a couple of examples in the Bible. Look over in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 and verse 3. This is the story of the man that was let down through the roof by his four friends. And they come unto him, talking about Jesus, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, carried of four. And when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith. Now I want you to understand this. Every one of those guys had faith. 
Now think about it if you're in that, that situation. If you're, if you're laying on this cot, this, this, this bed, I'm not just going to have anybody just let me down. I mean, they could throw you, you know, drop you, you land on your neck and break your neck and die. So you had to have faith, but also those guys had to have faith as well. And so Jesus, the Bible says, he saw their faith. You, you got a room full of people where Jesus is ministering. Can't get in the door. Oh, can't get in that way. Well, you know what? Let's go up through the roof. So Jesus is ministering. You start seeing particles come down. You start seeing things, and, and Jesus is looking. I, I imagine he, maybe he just stopped and watched. He just stopped and watched for a little bit, and it said Jesus saw their faith. <clears throat> and Jesus, it says, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason you these things in your hearts? So Jesus, just like we can, we can perceive things in our heart. What do you call that? A word of knowledge. Jesus didn't know this because he was God. Why? Because he ministered as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. And so he perceived in his heart by a word of knowledge what they were, what they were thinking. You know, sometimes you can just know what someone's thinking by revelation. And he says, why reason these things in your heart? What's easier to say to the sick of the palsy? Your sins be forgiven you or to say, rise and take up your bed and walk? How I many of you, it's just as easy to say one or the other of those. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, arise and take up your bed and go your way into your house. And he immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. But I want you to notice what happened here. What did Jesus deal with first? What did this man come for? Healing. What, what's the thing that he dealt with, though? He dealt with a sin problem. He dealt with, with condemnation. Why? Because if you don't deal with a condemnation, you won't, you, you're not dealing with the heart. And so it was actually a heart problem that was going on. So what did he first do? He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And, of course, the, the religious scribes, they were like, who is this? You know, this is, this is blasphemy. So, but once he was able to deal with that in his heart, he received forgiveness. There was nothing hindering him from getting his healing. So Jesus said, what's easier to say? So that shows me also that you can receive healing just as easy as you can be forgiven. Now, we see that over in the book of James, don't we? He says... If any man, you know, sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to me a couple different ways. He said, is any sick among you? Meaning that I know there's probably, you know, what he's saying is, you know, I know there's probably not any sick among you. You know, if he was writing the church today, he'd say to the 90% of you that are sick. 
But he said, is there any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. You know, if people want to be healed, they need to reach out. Now, we visit people, we pray for people, but I heard a minister saying he, he, um, he learned this the hard way growing up. And he, um, when he first got born again, he'd have people call and say, um, can you go visit my, uh, my third cousin's so-and-so? He said, yeah. And he said he'd get over there and say, and they'd look at him and say, who are you? Go to the hospital. Who are you? Well, um, so in your, your third cousin's once removed, you know, twice removed, uh, wanted me to pray for you. I don't even believe in that. So what do you do? You leave. Why? Because they, they don't have any faith. They don't have, they're not even believing. So let him call for the elders of the church. If someone's in trouble, they need to reach out. They need to at least make the effort to call. He, and here's what he went on to say. Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. And pray over them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. But notice this next phrase. And if, if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So there's forgiveness and healing attached together. So he says, what's easier to say? Your sins be forgiven you or take up your bed and walk. So you can be healed at the same time. That's why just like... When you're born again, that's a good time for someone to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you're in a receiving mode. Your heart is wide open. You might as well just receive the Holy Spirit as well. Hallelujah. And so, you know, we see Jesus ministering to other people like this too. Where, where people would, would have to rise up on the inside before they rose up on the outside. You know... People are defeated on the inside. They have to learn to, to rise up on the inside before they'll ever rise up on the outside. But the Bible also tells us over in the book of Mark, chapter 5, about the woman with the issue of blood. Now, I wanted just to hit a couple of examples about boldness to receive. How many know you, you can't just wait for God to do something? Well, you know, we just, we just want what the Lord wills. That's a good way to be spiritually lazy. Might as well just call it what it is. Well, you know, I just want what the Lord wants, just His will. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians, don't be, under, you know, be understanding what the will of the Lord is. When it says, don't be drunk with wine, whereas next says, right before that, he said, you know, be understanding what the Lord's will is. How do we understand what the Lord's will is? By this right here. By getting this book on the inside of us. But Mark chapter 5 tells us about the woman with the issue of blood. <clears throat> I mean, in verse 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, she suffered many things of many physicians and spent all that she had and was nothing better but what happened? She, she grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, or that's the word for power, dunamis, had gone out of him, 
He turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now, what if you were just walking down the street? And you're walking in, in Walmart and you, someone's, you bump up against somebody, especially, you know, when it's around Christmas time. Who touched my clothes? What if you just turn out? Now, people would probably think you're nuts, wouldn't they? Who, who touched my clothes? Well, you didn't even touch me. You just touched my clothes. Who touched my clothes? Well, see, that's what happened with Jesus. There's this big press of people there. And, and Jesus turned around and said, who touched my clothes? Why? Because here's what we know. We know that he felt that power leave him. That power left him. That dunamis, that, that dynamite power of God left him. And he looked round about to see her that, that had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. But I want you to see with this woman. She, she had this issue of blood. She had this, she was, she was bleeding on the inside. Hemorrhaging. Twelve years. And the Bible says that, see, she was probably in the same condition as a leper. You know what a leper would have to do? Unclean, unclean. He couldn't be around other people. So she had to, to announce this. She had to say, unclean. She couldn't be around other people. And so here she was. She was taking her life in her own hands. She's going out and saying, you know, hey, I, I, I've heard of this Jesus. I've heard of this, this guy. Who knows? It could have just been one message. Thank God for us. I mean, I thank God for the, how many good messages I've heard on faith and healing and, and the word. But maybe this was the first time she'd ever heard a message. So it just takes one time. They said, when she heard of Jesus, she said, you know, she said within herself, I I'm going to go. If I may touch but her clothes, touch his clothes, I shall be whole. <clears throat> and she went. And, you know, she just, she's going through there. How many know that was persistence? And she was weak. When you're weak, you don't feel like doing things like that. And she just, she made the effort, though. And she, she had that boldness. She had that, that tenacity to go to receive. She didn't just sit at the house and say, Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Lord, just do something if you will. Lord, just, just have mercy on me if, if you want to, but not my will, but yours be done. You know, what are people saying? Lord, heal them if it be your will, but if not, then your will be done. Then, Lord, just let them die. You know, you might as well say what, what people are thinking. But here she is. She comes and receives. She receives this healing. She comes and takes it. She just grabs a hold, and she just grabs the, like this, and she grabs a hold. Jesus turns about. Who touched me? And the... The Bible even says that she denied it at first, especially when you read Luke's account. She, she denied it at first, and then Jesus is pressing the issue. He's like, who touched me? He, in Luke's account, says, somebody touched me. <laughs> because she wasn't reaching out with curiosity. A lot of people come to church with curiosity. Let me, let me go check that church out. Let me see if, what that preacher's got. You know, Nothing. We have nothing except what the Lord gives us. But she reached out, though. She reached out with the hand of faith, and she grabbed. You know why? Because faith activates the power. 
How many remember Paul preaching in Acts chapter 14? He said this. Paul perceiving that this man had faith to be healed. He looked at him and said, hey, now you can tell when people get it. You can tell when people are receiving. Just like when you lay hands on people. Sometimes it can be like laying hands on a, on a doorknob. Or people, it's like it can be like a live wire. Why? Because faith activates the power. People come with expectation. Some people's hearts are wide open. They're like, let me just take everything, you know, that God has for me. And so this, that's what happened with this woman. Somebody touched me and she received. Faith activates the power. See, the power of God can be there, but until you activate it by faith, it's not going to be active in your life. How many remember what happened in... Um, well, let me, let me finish. I'm not going to leave the man in Acts 14. <laughs> he said he perceived that he had faith to be healed. He said, he perceived that and said, hey, you believe this, don't you? He said, stand up right on your feet. And what happened? The man went walking and leaping and praising God. He received strength in his ankle bones and, and, and that got activated. All that was because he, he, he came in, he pressed in, and, and he was expecting something. The Bible tells us in Acts 3 about the man who came at the, the gate called Beautiful at, the, at the, the time of prayer, looking at Peter and John, and they looked at him and said, what, what did he say about him? He said, expecting to receive. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I left my wallet at the house, but um, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Do you have something today that you can give people when you leave? Do you have something? And, and that's why you need to come to church and get reactivated and, and get primed up. Why? Because there's something on the inside. There's something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Amen. We used to sing that song. I've got Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. I've got Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. So this woman with the issue of blood, she pressed in. Jesus said, someone touch me. And, and he, he, she, she said, okay. And she said that she told him the whole truth. Now, how many know that's probably more than five minutes? How many knows that most ladies, like my wife, she definitely knows the details. And it's always good, you know. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you get on the phone with somebody and they, and you're talking to a credit card and they say, may I have their permission to talk to them? May I have your permission to talk to them? Yes. Well, it's like in a, in a conversation. I give the, the, the uh, permission and my wife just fills in the good details. Amen. Amen. That, thank God that ladies, they, they remember all those little details. So this lady, woman with the issue of blood, she said, well, let me tell you, 12 years ago, this happened. <laughs> and then 10 years ago, I had this happen. And I went to see Dr. So-and-so. And it said that she told him all the truth. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith, your belief in me has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Hallelujah. And see, that's such good news today. Because if her faith can make her whole then your faith and my faith can make us whole as well. My faith will make me whole. Thank you, Lord. 
But I was thinking of one other individual that the Bible, and the Bible is full of this. But over in Mark chapter 10, the Bible tells us of a man, blind Bartimaeus. Now, I'm sure when we get to heaven, we're not going to call him blind Bartimaeus. But the Bible, every, every time you hear it, you, you hear his name, blind Bartimaeus. Well, he was only blind for a certain period of time. And then he was just Bartimaeus. But Mark 10, 46 says this. And they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, said, begging. When he heard that it was Jesus. Now, just like the woman with the issue of blood, she heard of Jesus and he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now, he didn't just sit there quietly, did he? See, there's a time you have to open your mouth. God wants to hear your heart cry today. God wants to hear your prayer. You know, just like the, the, what we um, mentioned a few moments ago, James chapter 5. You know, when it talks about calling for, calling for the elders of the church, you know what it says before that? It says, him, um, if anyone going through a test and trial, let him pray. <laughs> anyone, anyone marry, let him sing psalms. You know, I'm not going to say, Bambi, I'm real happy you sing, brother. I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm even happier. You sing louder. That would be backwards, wouldn't it? But what do we do? Hey, I, I'm going through a trial. You pray. We do have it backwards there. Why? Because the Bible says, if anyone going through a trial, let him pray. Let him pray. God wants to hear your voice. And no one cares about your situation more than you anyway. So you, you just have to get after it. You just have to cry out to God yourself. So we see this. We see Bartimaeus coming boldly to the Lord. He says, Jesus, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Why? Because it's church. You got to be quiet in church. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David. Now, Without getting into this, what are you talking about? You're talking about covenant language. Son of David. Healer. Everything. I mean, this, this was a, not just a, a borrowed phrase, I'm sure, with him. Now, I believe with a Syrophoenician woman that Jesus said, you know, it's not right to, to take um, the children's bread, cast it to dogs. I'm sure that was a borrowed phrase with her. She was not even in covenant. But, but I believe that he was using this out of covenant. He was using this. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they charged him to be quiet. But, but notice, it said, but he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good comfort. Now, the same people that told him to shut up said, hey, the master's calling for you. Come on, you know. <laughs> Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. So 
what's, what's amazing about this is, is what he did, you know, as you can imagine, he's begging. And so he had a garment that signified that he was a beggar, that he legitimately had um, an issue in his life that allowed him to do this. And so he says, it says he casting away his garment. So he's saying, I may have been, uh, I may have come in here blind, but I'm not leaving here blind. He cast away his garment, he threw it aside, and it said he went to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what will you that I should do unto you? Now, have you ever thought about that phrase? Why he would say that? And he says, the blind man said to him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. So we, we, we began talking about having boldness to receive. Boldness to receive. See, you, you, you have to have that condemnation out of the way. You have to have that condemnation gone. But when your heart is clear and your heart is clean, you, there's nothing that's going to hinder you from receiving. But then you have to boldly go and receive. You have to boldly go where no man has gone before. To brave new frontiers. Amen. You have to boldly go. <clears throat> Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith hath made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And I can give you many different examples in the Bible where, the, where people were bold to receive. Like we started, the righteous are bold as a lion. One thing about it, if you want to receive from God, you have to, you have to be bold about it. You have to be, have some tenacity about you. The righteous are bold as a lion. The violent take it by force. You're not, you're not taking it from, from God. You're taking it away from the devil when the devil tries to steal from you. You know, that's the way you have to deal with the enemy. You don't just deal with the enemy like, you know, please leave me alone. You know, you don't, there's no scripture in the New Testament even that says anything about you praying that God would do something about the devil. Every scripture, the Bible tells you to do something. You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You neither give place to the devil. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. You go therefore. Everything is, is left up to us. But what we've done is we've left it up to, you know, we think we're leaving it up to God. But when we do, we leave it up to the devil. But the Lord tells us, you choose. You choose in this situation. Amen. Everyone say, you choose. You choose this day. I like what Joshua said. I don't know about you. He says, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. You have to make a decision. This is the way it's going to be, and I'm boldly going to go and receive. Amen. Everyone say boldness. Boldness to receive. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for boldness today. Lord, to receive from heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we have boldness to receive because of the blood. Lord, that you paid the price 2,000 years ago. And we thank you, Lord, that we have been washed in the blood. We've been sanctified by the blood as we come boldly to the throne of grace. Thank you, Lord, that we can obtain mercy today. 
to find grace and help in our time of need. Lord, and we do, we come to receive from you today all that heaven's best provides.